best, but I couldn't. It was too funny. <laughs> how are you doing, Susie Goo? Sarah Louise, how Sarah are you? Louise. I'm doing pretty well, you know? Sunshine and birds are chirping. <laughs> you hate when birds chirp. I love when birds... Well, actually, I'm, I'm like, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't like birds chirping. You mm-hmm. do. I'm a fine with whistling. You are not. Right. Well, <laughs> I do find birds annoying, the chirping part. Yeah, once I thought I was going to get one, and then I was like, nope. Oh, my God. I cannot. Right. That, is a, that is a terrible idea. Terrible. What was I thinking for two seconds? You know why? Because I stayed um, at Laurel's house. You know Laurel from the challenge? Yeah. yeah. I stayed at her house in New York, and she had a bird, and it was lovely. Was it loud or just real quiet? Real quiet. Just like real, mm. just like tweet, like, like, like. Oh, like, soothing. Like Snow White bird. Uh, yes. Style. Mm-hmm. You know? So, right. But that would be different but, if it lived yeah, in your house. I'm going to end up getting a cockatiel that's like, Cockatiel. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. It um, sounded like that. I had two cockatiels once. Salt and pepper. Oh yes, that's correct. When I was little, when I was little, I was probably like eight or nine, and they were both eaten by raccoons. Is this one of the deceased? Yes. Susie knows about all my God. dead pets. God, there's so many when I think about it. Like, like not you- mine. Just like growing up, like we were animal people. When you're when you are animal people, you also experience like the circle of life, man. You're like the Grim Reaper of pets. <laughs> <It's horrible. laughs> Um, that's awful yes you're gonna love that it's episode 444 Ooh, i love that yeah that seems significant yeah it definitely is and that is very red and i'm staring at a red book and it was crazy because i was like Mm. 444 that's right in front of me and i'm like oh no sarah it's it's just a red red book it's very ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) oh red that could be like spicy it yeah. could be like we're getting Sexy. a big fight. Who knows? But what? A big fight? About yeah. what? We're passionate, you know? So we like are maybe- passionate. <laughs> we are very... Oh, and you know what? We're passionate together about hmm. being angry at men who do stupid shit. Oh, yeah. That's like so the main... So let's do that. Category. Mm-hmm. So did you hear about the guy who was at the museum and broke the toes off of the statue? No, no, no. Okay, so in Italy, there were these uh, Austrian tourists who oh. were roughhousing. <laughs> roughhousing. I haven't heard that since my mom in the 80s. It's one of my favorites. And I always yell at Bo and Ren when they're playing. And I was like, that's roughhousing. <laughs> Take yeah. that roughhousing outside. I yeah, I agree. Yell at them like I that. agree with you. So these... These guys were roughhousing, and and also when I dug deeper, I found out what was really going on. Oh. Uh, they were the shenanigans up to no good. They were in the in the original article I read that was on Vice. It said um, that they jumped on the statue, and when he landed on it, he snapped off three of the toes. Oh my but then, god. When I saw, I actually like, you know, went and looked at what the heck the statue was. The statue is of this woman reclining and he absolutely went up there to go like, you know, <gasps> pretend to bang it You or are kidding me. Oh, for, I'm, well, I mean, I don't know his uh, intention, uh, I but think he went we up do. there. We do. Okay. Th- we do. I mean, uh, like, <gasps> let's just assume it's, if I send you this picture and you, you were, I'm going to send it to you right now and you're going to be like, oh, that's exactly what okay, he was doing so up there. So she was in like a prone position <laughs> yes. and he was and clearly like, I'm going to hump her. Yes. And the mm-hmm. Austrian tourist, he, uh, he broke away to take a selfie of himself, uh, quote, sprawled over the statue. Nope. Let me see. That's code for trying to f- pretend to bang it. Yep. No. Oh, right? no. Because it's like a boudoir. Exactly. So you know what he was doing. Now, guess how old he was. Okay. 25. 50. <gasps> oh, who is this jackass? <laughs> see? And this is the funny part is that this isn't even the... The subject of the article that, like, my, the, but this is the, the standout piece where I was like, oh, well, we have to get mad at this fool. Yes. Well, so, first of all, who roughhouses at museums anyway? Well, apparently, kids, a lot maybe. of people. Oh, really? Uh, 
Yeah, because this is the the article that uh, that I got so interested in. It was something mm-hmm. I found on Vice that was what happens when you destroy a priceless <laughs> artifact. Oh my god! Right, so it's an epidemic. Okay, wow. So. And it's really interesting because, like, you know, people go to museums and, like, accidents happen all yes, the time, right? right. Mm-hmm. Ha- I mean... Yeah, what is the you- protocol? And Lincoln's pretty good at not touching anything. He's never... You've never taken him anywhere where you've had to be like, oh, my God, get down from there. And he was like... No, he has other problems, oh. but that is not one of them. Um, this was Jordan, my <laughs> middle brother. <laughs> Right. He was on everything. In fact, we got, I think we got booted out of probably a few museums. It also got in big trouble at the Coliseum. In fact, I think he like, like picked up a piece of it or oh, something like he was like when he was like little, yeah, he was like running around and I told kid, him I'm going to get a call from enough. my mom who's like, actually what right. he was doing and it's going to be 10,000 times worse than whatever else. <laughs> She's like not the setting truth. the record straight. She's like making it worse. Okay. Yeah, it's going to totally be the truth. So he was like that kid and so this article was all about like what happens yeah and in here's the thing in in the journalist research of a whole bunch of different cases of this happening the museums never do anything well right well it's insurance is it not yes yeah. they have insurance and they said the worst case scenario like the worst thing that could happen to you is like guilt and shame like they're gonna like publicly wow. shame you and make you feel bad but some of the 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 cases that th- there was only one exception that i thought and we've talked about this on like the, the show little kid yes yeah i'm so glad you remember that's yes. so funny i couldn't believe it that one was like a hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars and it was some community artists like bullshit <laughs> yeah piece ugly. that was so bad piece of shit oh my god like we should be thanking that kid for breaking it yeah, it was so ugly. And then it was like not even a real artist. It's like that just their their the artist's uh uh what is it? Like assigned value to it. <laughs> right. It's no. priceless. No, it's priceless. Right. But well, some of these stories one, like yes, I remember go ahead. because I remember watching the video and I was annoyed with the <sighs> parents because it right, felt like right. they were neglectful. And that's oh, hard yes, to yes. you know Okay, if it's a true accident, that's one thing. And if it's neglectful, that's worse. But then what do they do if it's kind of like intentional where someone's an asshole? I think there's a lot of these cases where people are assholes that they aren't getting in trouble for. I think so too. Like there was one case that they talked about in here. I don't even know if you want to call them cases. One incident when uh, this elderly couple, there was a clock that was hanging in the Columbia, Pennsylvania National Watch and Clock Museum. And this, it says like an elderly couple began touching and pulling on its various bits to try to see what the clock looked like when working. And it ultimately caused the clock to come crashing down and it broke it and nobody sought to, you know, press charges or sought any compensation or anything like that. But wow. they're like an old couple who's like, like fidgeting, like get get out of there. What are you doing? <laughs> get your right. mitts off and that. Do you think that the museums just think, well, that sort of comes with the territory when you open up a space for to the public, things happen. It does kind of feel like that because you know there was another story that was in there about a a little boy, and I can't remember where it was. I want to say the museum was in Japan. And he knocked over a vase that was this old, they call them puzzle vases, which is kind of like the irony. And it broke into mm-hmm. 65 different pieces. And they, the little boy was distraught. Like he was Aww. so sad and so upset over it. That makes and a difference. The, right? It totally does. Mm-hmm. And the museum like knew that he felt really bad. So they went to like great lengths to put the piece back together <laughs> just so they could show it to the little boy so Aww. he wouldn't feel bad. So it's like, it really just shows that like museum people and art people are the nicest and don't want anything bad to come from it. One of the stories that was <laughs> cracking me up though was this, I can't remember how old the person was. I think it was somebody who was older, but it was in 2006 and this guy tripped over his shoelace oh, and he no. crashed into a, this like priceless urn, oh, but, but <laughs> then it what it was like, World's most expensive dominoes because then he he hit not one, not two, but three of them. It was like that one hit another one and then hit another one like out of a movie. Oh my God. Could you imagine? I would, I'm getting, like, I'm feeling faint right now. (laughs) 
Sarah's going to breathe into a paper bag. I do. I have to. I'm dying because I couldn't, um, you know, that is it. The kind of like, I couldn't imagine. But that's one thing. But I am not into the horseplay tomfoolery. Like, they should have, uh, uh, like, I don't know, punishment for that. I don't know. Some kind of like laws about like taking a selfie and snapping off the toes. Did did they, um, is there a video of the horseplay? Yes. You see him jumping up on the statue. Get out of here. I know, and that is negligence, and even worse than negligence. I mean, oh yeah, that's- horseplay was the law. Was, <laughs> I where are my legal friends at? I agree. That is tomfoolery. Was he smiling like he thought it was funny? Oh, I don't know. I it did not say in the article, nor did mm-hmm. I watch the video. But I'm going to have to look because they <laughs> failed to mention that he was that it was a a statue that was laying down, and we all know what he's doing with that. Did statue. this just happen? Yeah, not that long ago. Because I'm wondering if I do feel like when people finally do get to go out and live their lives again, that oh, they're going to be yes. acting crazy because this <laughs> might be right. Maybe. This might, yeah. Yes, it happened a few days ago. No. What? Wow. Oh, oh, this, this, this the incident mm-hmm. with the toes. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you're totally right. Well. That's a really good point. Because I, I, I do think I people, like are people are speeding more. Losing their marbles a little. I mean, they're speeding more. Well, that's for sure. People are definitely losing their marbles. I mean, I'm you know one of yeah. them. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Because there's no security or stability, and I think that is really unhealthy for most people. Yeah, for most people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, the yeah. key though I mean, is this to- guy. He still doesn't get a free pass for lying down with the. No, you know, especially if statue. he was humping. That makes me really mad. And like, I mean, you know, I don't want to go like calling him a humper, but with no proof, but where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. Right. It'd be like if I knelt in front of the David statue, I think we'd all know what I was saying. Oh, we know what you're doing. Right. Exactly. If you, yes, totally. That is really freaking funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I should do that. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did, so nothing yeah. bad happened to that guy. Nothing bad me. happened. But I feel like we do need to make a rule like with the selfie one. Like I feel like they mm-hmm. should have to do volunteer work where they like can't use their phones there needs to be there needs to be some kind of punishment that like the equivalent of because it's the same as like Mm -hmm. graffitiing you're just using the latest technology to deface priceless art yeah so you know like i don't know no i I think that's a not a bad idea and we do have a phone problem we totally do (laughs) But my usage was down 26% last week that or something so like that. That is so funny that you mentioned that because Lincoln discovered that on my phone, how it tells you. And he's like, yeah. well, how much time? And I'm like, I don't know. And I like quickly <laughs> closed it because I don't want to know. Yours uh, was down 20%? Well, yeah, b- because I've been making like, I've been, I've been ma- making an effort to like, you know, use well, the phone nice, at the right times and like for the right re- and then be better at not getting sucked into social media for nothing and using yeah. it for like the important stuff yeah. and whatever. You so know? you're being and intentional. I'm being intentional usage. and try to have like a schedule, you know, and like be like a person, blah, blah, blah. So hard. <laughs> Why are you wound up today? I love it. Oh my gosh. You love when I'm wound up. I'm not, I mean, you know, just because like, it's hard to be a person these days, you know? Yes. Just Let's like regular stuff. Let's talk about it well i'm sure that you're more kind of (sighs) in tune with how people are feeling because you speak to more humans in your work yeah and obviously that's what they share with you yeah and do you have you noticed over since march 
-hmm. Like ebbs and flows in where people are. Okay. Tell me about it. A hundred percent. It's like, and you know, a lot of these are ones that you and I talk about on here all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a vibe that's out there in the world right now where everybody kind of is, you, you go from like, it's, it's anticipatory grief. Yeah. And it is the, it is the collective experience. And the worst is when you're like aware of it, you know, it's like much easier to like walk around and like be an asshole and just be like, "Mm, I'm just having a bad day and I'm an asshole. But it's the worst when I'm like, I know why I can't make it better. Did you see today how um, Michelle Obama says she has low grade depression? Oh, thank you, Michelle, for normalizing low grade Mm -hmm. depression. You know, because we all kind of do right now. Yeah. yeah. And if you're like, and I, and it's like silly. Oh my God, I won't cry, but okay. it makes you, it makes you feel like a bad friend because like the way, where I really like connect with friends is like face to face. Like I need yeah. that. Like I'm not good on the phone mm-hmm. and I'm not good at like, t- I'm not, I'm just like, I want to be good at it, but it's like, I can't get the same from social connection through that. Yeah. And so, you know, it just isn't the same and like, you know. Yeah, there's no substitute for being with someone. And, IRL. Yeah. <laughs> and that sweet embrace. I mean, for real. Right. And I am and, and I didn't even think I was a hugger, but now I feel like I'm not a hugger, but I'm a toucher. So yeah, it's I'm just a, a weird too. thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want full body contact, but I need to be able to hit you if you say something hilarious <laughs> in a playful <laughs> manner. Yes. And when I can't do that, it makes me feel like I'm, you know... And where is your, how does it manifest for you? Do you get sad and want to stay in bed or do you Uh, want to drink or, you know? Oh man, those would almost be easier. It's more like I'm hard on myself. Mm. You feel guilt. Yes. I feel like, why can't you figure it out? Why can't you just like, like, you know, look, your mom can do amazing workout Mm. routines throughout the day. Why can't you? Mm -hmm. And so I have to give myself that self-compassion, you know, piece that like so many people need and that, so I don't know. It's one of those, it's tough. We, I just like take, got to take my own advice, I suppose. But even that is hard. My friend on Twitter, I forget if I was telling you this, but she had, she's a widow. Her husband had passed away a few years ago and she was talking about how at that time and now again, um, during this period, she was using Buddhist meditation, which was specifically Mm -hmm. designed to focus on death, which sounds Mm -hmm. really bleak, but Mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. can be so helpful because if Mm -hmm. you hit the end of the line and say, well, I'm definitely dying. Like we know mm-hmm. that for sure. And yeah. you meditate on it and follow the, mm-hmm. the steps. It's very mm-hmm. freeing because yes. then everything else is sort of like not that bad <laughs> because it's yes, inevitable. That it's happening. Really if you can accept that. And it that. gives you meaning mm-hmm. in the moment. And I find that to be helpful. It wouldn't maybe help everybody. You got to right. find what works for you. Well, and here's the thing, there's, it's not like a, a one thing is the, yep, there you go. It's yes. cured. It's like a collection. It's like a bunch of little, you know, like one of those, I don't know, I'm sure there's an experiment somewhere, some like visual aid for this where you put like big rocks in a jar and then little pebbles in a jar and then sand in a jar, like a bunch of different things mm-hmm. that then fill up the jar and then water that like, you know, you need a bunch of different tools to yeah. make it all work. And stuff like that. I do wonder, though, what causes the sort of stages of it. Because, you know, those funny memes that people are putting up where it's like January through September. Oh, my God. It's so true. Um, And it's so relatable because Uh we've all been through this together. Um, But it is. it does speak to the way that, like, in March we kind of had this collective feeling and then it changed each month. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's getting better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, ooh, and, and you know what? Maybe it's the, if, if, if we were to take that calendar, now that I think about it, I think mm. it, it's the same as how parents recall raising kids, 
how if you ask them how they're doing right now in the moment, they're like, I hate it. This is crazy. I'm in hell. These guys are a nightmare. Ah, I'm losing my mind. But if you ask them to reflect on what the past years, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we survived some like hard times and everything. So I think it's just if you were to shorten that calendar and you were to make that same meme with like weeks out of like March, mm-hmm. it would look the same. Mm-hmm. What The moment we're in right now looks like yeah, crazy Lindsay Lohan. And yes. we've zoomed out, but yes. in 10 years, we'll have even more. <laughs> yes. So just like hang in. We're fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's fine. It's going to get worse. Like, this is great. Enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> what is? What did your mom say that one time? Because she was like, don't be, this isn't the end. It's the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> did she say that? My mom? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. What was that? It was so funny, but it was something along those lines. It was, it was like, supposed to be comforting. Worry. Yes. It's not the end. <laughs> it's just the beginning of the end. It's just like, <laughs> oh, right. We have all this time. It's so stupid. Oh, it just tickles. It just tickles me so much because, you know, we have to laugh. I would and that's not want to be in your shoes though, because I can figure my own situation out and make a, uh, you know, system that works for me, but I wouldn't want to try to direct somebody else on how best to do that. Oh, well, the good job. thing is, is I don't have to. Is, oh. I, 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 yeah, I don't have to tell anybody. I mean, the job of a therapist is never to like tell somebody what to do for their life. It's no. to kind of help them find what works best for them. And it's kind of like what goes in, you know, the, the, the jar of important things. So it's, it's really just kind of giving them like I always say it's like flipping on the light switch and helping them like, you know, see in the dark a little bit or flipping on or like helping navigate through, you know, a dark room and then you flip on the lights and then you go, oh, that's, you know, but then you get to decide where the furniture goes and how we move everything around and what to do next. Yeah. But don't you find it, maybe not, but I would imagine that some people kind of like don't want to turn the light on a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why the 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 therapist, the... What is the running joke? How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Well, first the light bulb has to actually want to change. (laughs) (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ren and I took a nice little road trip up to Cambria, which is like this quiet little town in Central Valley where uh, a lot of Susie's favorite wine comes from. And... um, how about how we had to be evacuated because there was freaking explosion? Yeah, that is crazy. Tell me what, what the happened. Heck? First of all, this is one of those trips like, you know, when you <laughs> have like really high expectations of something because like you need it to be like, like you're looking forward to it for a really long time, like anything. Yeah. You know, really, this is just one of those trips where, like, whatever could go wrong did go wrong, yeah. sort of. And, like, 99% of it was my that fault. Was well, freakish, not really, though. And that was your freakish. Fault. Well, that one wasn't. But I'll tell you, this is, the, there's a whole, I am, I am, I have to tell you that, this, that part, this part to then. Okay. I feel like somehow magically, like, I don't know, our lives were spared or something like that. But. So we're like going to this, um, we're going, and I have to tell myself this, you'll know why once I finish the story. So we're going on this trip and we've had it on the schedule, on the calendar for like 
maybe like two or three months now. And it's been like, oh, thank goodness. We're yeah, going we're to looking it's going forward to be so nice. To we're looking forward to it. So this is like my family's home that they rent out. And so, you know, it's like through a property rental company. But like every time I've gone there, I've always <laughs> um, had the keys. And like they give me the, like I have the code to the lockbox and they leave the keys right in the lockbox because, you know, the, the time where the office is open right now, yeah. 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Right, who, it's a little bit the, narrow. A little bit narrow <laughs> when I'm coming from Los Angeles and yeah. driving four hours to get there. A little okay. bit okay. at the end of a work day. <clears throat> so I incorrectly assume that mm-hmm. the keys are going to be in the lockbox like they've been yeah. the last, I don't know, four or five times I've gone up there. Yeah. Get to the lockbox at... Eight o'clock, and we stop off in Ventura. We're like, this is going to be so lovely. Like, I have it all yes, planned. I have a like, vision. I have a vision. We're going <laughs> to arrive there. It's going to be so nice. We're going to get the keys. We're going to check in, and then the next day we're going to go kayaking. And then I have uh, dinner reservations for us at the best restaurant. It is so adorable, and it's perfect because it's only outdoor dining, and like the whole ceiling is vines, and it's like the one place that like I would let us go out to dinner. Yeah. Because it's like ideal for this in the small little sleepy town. Totally understand. So I'm like so excited. I'm going to actually wear a dress and maybe mm-hmm. even shoes with a heel. Oh my whoa, God. Whoa, it's been months. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Your I'm ankles so excited. are all weak. And yes, they're so weak. Like, I don't even know. I'm going to walk like a deer, like a brand new baby, like, like <laughs> yeah. a giraffe. Like, that's right. what I'll walk like. But whatevs. My legs will look great. <laughs> and so. We get there and like we take our time in Ventura. We stop. We have like dinner on the water or like dinner on the water in this like place where we're like looking out at the ocean. So nice and it's a great meal, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the food is so good that Ren's like, oh, I'm definitely saving half of this so that I could heat it up in the toaster oven when we get to the house. And we're both looking forward to eating up, heating up the fish and chips that were so delicious, like mm, second dinner. That is an important part of the story. <laughs> um, so then we arrive in Cambria. It's like 9.30 at night. And I go to the lockbox and I type in the code. And there's no keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, what the heck? So then I go back and I look in the emails. And the email like, that I have, they just said, got it, like thumbs up. And nobody ever said, like, oh, the keys will be in the lockbox. So it is my fault for not following up. We call. They have an emergency number. Nobody answers. They have a hotline. Nobody answers. It is now 930 at night. We're in this sleepy little town. And after about half an hour of trying to get a hold of people and and getting text messages that, like, aren't being returned and all this stuff, um, I just say, we have to just get a hotel room. And mm-hmm. so we got to get a hotel room, which I'm like k- kicking myself for because I hate like, you know, I, like the house is right there. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. I like part of me just wants to like break in, but I can't. And I'm just like so feel so dumb for not, you know, and now it's late and we're tired mm-hmm. and like we just want to like get in the room and like Ren's doing such a good job not being like, um, how come you didn't call to like absolutely make sure that we had keys and all this stuff? And I was going, oh, thank you for not saying that. <laughs> so anyways, we get to the hotel room and or like motel. It's just like this motel. The only one because we have the dog with us, so it has to be a dog-friendly one. So we check in there and I have to pay stupid bed and breakfast prices, which are ridiculous for a, you know, when Las Vegas hotel rooms are $25 right now. I was just like, wow. "Okay, it's like insane." I I whatevs. And then uh so yes, so we wake up the next morning and have to wait around because again the office isn't open. For, it's only open from ten until one, and then the worst is at five thirty. I get a message from like the the owner of the property management company, and it's like by this time I assume you got into the residence. No. I hope everything. And I was like, sir, I did not get into the residence. Wow. <laughs> like I did not. So, anyways, we end up going back in there and Where we the get hell we were finally the keys? get in. In the office. Like, I had to wait oh until 10 God. o'clock until somebody arrived and then, you know, went inside. And, like, you know, I, w- I didn't exactly wake up on the right side of bed that morning. And then, <laughs> oh, and the uh, the part that was the bummer is that the delicious fish and chips, of course, those went, th- couldn't eat those yeah. because we don't have a nice toaster oven to heat that up in. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, here I am, like, trying to, like, make it, like, Brent not super sad about how he doesn't get his, <laughs> you know, dinner again. But I'm like, oh, gosh, Sarah, you mess everything up. So then... 
we finally get to the place and, you know, we're supposed to go, um, like our plan was we were going to go like have lunch in the downtown area and then go kayaking in the afternoon and then we would go to dinner. And then, so like I had all this planned, like right at about one o'clock for us to be downtown eating at this outdoor restaurant. And instead we went home and we took a shower and had breakfast there, whatevs. And at about 1.30, we go and we're like, we have to get some food. Let's go into town. And we're in town picking up pizza that we called in. And we hear overhead these sirens and people like moving at like everybody's kind of like running out of the way. And these women, this woman is, I'm like, what's going on? This woman is like, everybody has to get out. Like, you got to get out of here. They're saying that it's going to explode. And I'm Mm. like, what the hell? There are sirens everywhere. And I tell myself, this is what I I like – First of all, nothing ever happens in this town, ever. What happens is some car, like, got, I don't know if it was, like, driving too fast or somehow, like, went off the road, but a car crashed into the side of this building, hit a gas pipe, that gas pipe Mm. exploded, and then burnt the whole, like, corner building down to the ground, and they had to evacuate everybody. There was a helicopter, like, saying, like, leave the area, and... It, you know, in my mind, and this like was we like we shouldn't have gas pipes, like just hanging yeah, out just hanging roads. out for sure. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna tell myself that me forgetting the keys has somehow spared us our lives. Because oh. what if we were walking down? It would have been exactly at that time at one o'clock when we would be downtown walking around. Right. And if that hadn't happened, then we who knows? We could have been hit by that car or caught in that yeah, fire. Maybe it was like a quantum leap type of. Right. And yeah. so I just have to tell myself that because it like it felt <laughs> like one of those like, Are you freaking kidding me? What is happening? No, this, what crazy. am I in? This is a Twilight Zone situation. And I'm sure there were more things along the way that made me just be like, This seems weird. And so I'm and, and like when does that ever happen? When do you get like, no, like that's never? Crazy. And if you saw how sleepy like this town is right next to another town called Harmony, where the population <laughs> is, and I kid you not, eighteen. <laughs> that's what we're dealing no with here we're small sleepy towns right, we're, we're like, they, right? exactly so she's like I'm moving there do yeah. they need a mayor sounds great do they need a mayor do they need a mayor <laughs> Susie will totally be the mayor of Harmony what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Then uh, the restaurant calls us and says, I'm sorry, we had to cancel your reservations because they've shut down the whole downtown. Sarah. And I was like, oh, come on. So you're Can I catch a break? So what? what? Like you you came home from this trip, right? And then you didn't go back. No. Right. That is really shitty. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it was just like for a day you had to come back Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. No, we had to leave. We had to just leave the area. We got back. We stayed up there, like up there, but we had to evacuate the downtown area. They were like, hey, you know that restaurant you really like? No. But don't worry, because I ended up getting my whole pie. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm getting a whole entire pie from my favorite restaurant. I give (laughs) zero fucks, and it's in the refrigerator right now. What kind of pie? I'm definitely going to eat, like, the whole thing. Oh, I am so glad you asked, Susie. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is... And a lullaberry pie. And you're like, oh, oh my God, you've told me about these. Yes. And it is a berry that you can only get in Slow County, San Luis Obispo County in Central California. And it is magical. And mm. I'm talking to Ren the whole time up the, the, the you know, highway as we're driving there mm-hmm. about this. And like, I'm telling him about this pie. And yeah. like, we're talking about pies. And, and he goes, so uh, what is your favorite kind of pie? And I'm like, this one and he's like oh my gosh is it really that good and i'm like well you know you just have to try it and he's like didn't think he was that big of a pie fan yeah we we went three days in a row and my god we got three pies and and just out of this world it's so good it's like the perfect grow elsewhere 
I don't know. I think it has something to do with the climate zone or maybe just like they bred the berries to get like hybrid. I don't know. It's like one of those. Hmm. But it's like super tasty. And yeah, I did find out they do. They do free. They send them. They ship them. No way. Like gold belly or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I like how gold belly does that like regional food. Oh, I don't know of this gold belly thing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, if you have a an item that's sort of like yeah. known for in your town, it's probably on Gold Belly and you can ship oh, it anywhere cool. in the country. Yeah, because like, if you're yeah. like missing your hometown favorites, you you know, mm-hmm. that's an, this is not an ad. I just love it. Right, not at all. Right. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just thinking about all the things that like, I was like, oh, I would love yeah. to. Right. Didn't, isn't there some story about like Oprah having like fried mm-hmm. chicken or like biscuits or something like that shipped yes. in that was like super good? I've heard this. I'm for it. Yes. I'm super for that idea. Well, and I think yeah. people really do want to be comforted right now as we t- talked oh about. Oh, my gosh. So I bet that it's very is popular. so true. Mm, I, I do. have to tell you, we have a guest, though, Sarah. Oh, really? Okay. Um, do you yes. have anything else you want to add before we introduce mm, nope. her? Nope. I'll save it. I'll okay. save it. Yep. So the guest today wrote a book. It's called Nobody Will Tell You This But Me, A True As Told By Me Story by Bess Kalb. She is a writer for Jimmy Kimmel. And I followed her on Twitter for years. And she's a delight, super smart, obviously very funny. But she wrote this book. And let me try to paint the picture. She had a very close relationship with her grandma, kind of like you did with yours. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And her grandma passed away and she decided to write like her grandma's memoir, but through her. So Mm -hmm. it's spoken through the voice of her grandma, Bobby, but she's the writer. So it's really delightful. Um, Her grandmother was a working class Russian immigrant who basically lived in the American dream. Um, And she's just this Jewish badass, like super stylish lady, you can imagine. And she and her and Bess Mm -hmm. had this really lovely mentorship and relationship. It's so funny, but it's also, I think, very relatable to a lot of people. I love a grandma story. Yeah, like a matriarch kind (sighs) of situation. And how like you can probably this happens to you. You can like hear what she would say to you in a moment yeah. where you're about to do something and you can almost hear her voice like, don't do that, Sarah, or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's a very clever approach to telling her grandma's story because it's in the first person, even though Bess wrote it. So again, just people wanted me to repeat the book titles more. So I'm going to tell you again, it's called Nobody Will Tell You This But Me, A Truth As Told By Me Story by Bess Kalb. And I hope you enjoy our interview. Welcome to the show, Bess. All right. First, Bess, welcome to Brain Can Podcast. I think you're magical and special, and I loved your book so much. I'm wondering how you're feeling now that people are reading it. Is it scary and weird? It's totally surreal. It's the kind of thing where, I mean, when I started writing this book, I was doubtful that it was even a book. I thought that this was just a very personal grief exercise for me about my grandma. And when I emailed my literary agent, like, I know you said, just send me whatever you've been writing. This is what I've been writing. Apologies in advance. Like, (laughs) and she was like, are you kidding me? Other people will get this. They'll relate to this. Um, And that's made me feel extreme that makes her feel very vindicated um, <laughs> <laughs> she was right yeah thank you Aaron. um who's brilliant and right about everything uh, but it definitely makes me feel like there's a community of people who love their grandmothers relate to an idea of a strong matriarchy whether it's literally grandmother or just a mother figure uh, that there are women who really see themselves in my grandma bobby's story and that makes me feel like it was my life's work and her life's work is complete. Yeah, it's really special. I wonder, though, if it would feel just so vulnerable to have all of it publicly available. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing that didn't really occur to It should have. <laughs> great question. And it should have occurred to me while I was writing this deeply personal story. Um, but because it was such a sort of private 
exercise. Writing this book was something that I did alone. I did as like a way to sort of dig deep within myself and ask myself, how do I really feel about my mother? How do I really feel about my grandmother? And how did they feel about each other? And how do they feel about me? This was something I did in private, not thinking it would really not thinking about what other people would think of it. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's kind of, that was necessary for writing a true an open book to not worry about other people, just keep it true to myself. And, you know, now that it's out there, it's the kind of thing where we had friends at, over to our backyard in a socially distant thing. I had never, there were friends of my husband we had never met. We were like on opposite sides of the patio. And I said something like, yeah, Charlie and I met in college. And they said, we know we've read your book. <laughs> right. Secrets. Of <laughs> like, how do you know this about me? And they're like, no, no, you put it out there. <laughs> right. Well, oh, this yeah. happens, my co-host and I were on reality TV and it's the same sort of thing where there's a difference now where people have information about your life that they didn't before. You totally get it. And I'm huge fans of you both. And I love oh, your thanks. podcast and what you've been doing. Thank you. You get it for women. And it's a it's, weird thing, it's right? Totally, it's totally surreal. And I think, I think in many ways it, especially now in quarantine and in this very isolated time, it it does make me feel less alone, oddly, knowing that there are people who have read my story or heard my story on audiobook and, um, and feel connected to me. And that, that makes me feel, that makes me feel like even in this time where we don't really leave the house very much, um, that I am connected to people. So I'm grateful that there's a community of readers who knows about who know about my life as surreal as it is and and as there's on the one hand there's this tendency to like to close up and feel protective of that which I'm sure you can relate to um and on the other it's like well I put myself out there because I want to show that feeling these feelings about your mother and grandmother are relatable and, and real and important and we should be able to speak about them we should be able to be ourselves in public Yeah. And for folks who maybe don't have that kind of relationship with their grandparents or mom, um, it's, I've, I felt very envious. Like that's such a beautiful dynamic that was, that happened. And I wonder if since you wrote the book, anything's changed with regard to your mom. Is it shifted or informed a new dynamic? My mom was a big part of writing the book. My mom was my primary source. This is a book um, for maybe listeners who haven't read it. This is a book about my grandmother told in her voice from beyond the grave. And it's sort of her telling her story of her relationship with my mother and her relationship with me. And so my mom was my primary source. Of course, my grandmother wasn't here Um to talk to me about it. And so she and I got really close while I was writing the book. Cause I would call her at all hours being like, tell me a story about, tell me the story about the twins switching places, one going to law school for the other, like <laughs> Georgie or was it Leo? And she would be like, it was Leo. Here's the story. Or like, tell me about what it was like when you left your abusive husband and fled to Canada in the, you know, overnight. And she was like, here's what grandma did. And so uh, like funny family, Lauren, very serious, family trauma and moments of extreme personal hardship, um, you know, all of that went into my mom's participation in the book. And so she and I got really, really close writing this. And then when it came out, you know, she was hearing from friends, you know, people that she went to high school with saying like, Robin, I didn't know you've lived through so much. Um, And my mom was like, yeah, I guess all women have. My daughter just wrote about it. Wow. Right. You're just really telling the oral history of your own family. Yeah. It's like so many people's families. Right. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know, I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. 
Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. And that's what, one of the things I really loved was it is so touching and beautiful and special, but it's also very funny and I'm, I'm pretty much in love with your grandma. And <laughs> do you think she knew how funny she was? A hundred percent. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, my, my grandma, my grandma would like arch an eyebrow. She would like, she would say a line that would level somebody just like, oh, just like so scared. She once said something. I was like, well, Francis was at the opening of the Palm Beach you know, whatever it was, symphony something. And she was like, oh, Francis will come to the opening of an envelope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, she would, she would say things and then she would just like wait for everyone to catch up. Um, and I, you know, I'm a comedy writer. That's my job, but I was very much the straight woman in this relationship. And that comes through in the book. She had the funniest lines. Did I she think you were funny? She was amused by me at times, <laughs> but and she was she was the star and knew it. Totally. I totally. love that. Yeah. She's such a badass. Um, she really is. Where do you think she got I was very envious also of her certainty and it seemed to, she was very self-assured and confident. Do you think that that was something she worked on and just came naturally? She's yeah, a secret I man. I, I wish I knew. I there are so many things I wish I could ask her what her secret was. Like there especially now that I'm a mom you know, I, mm. I just want to ask her what the secret is. Um, but I think she really earned it. I think she, over her nine decades of life, you know, she was born with nothing. She was born on the dining room table in a tenement in Brooklyn. She was, she grew up in the great depression in poverty with non-English speaking parents. And by the time she died, she was in this fabulous condo in Florida. Um, you know, the sort of Jewish American dream. And um, over those years from being so humbled by, by her, the circumstances of her birth and, and really having nothing, she, she sort of earned this sense of, of confidence. She knew what it was like to have nothing. And so I think by her older years, she was somebody who looked at the world with this sense of gratitude and sense of of not feeling superior to anyone because she really, she really was um, somebody who had nothing. And so that just sort of gave her that oddly, I think it was a sense of like having nothing that made her know she could survive anything. Yeah. Um, And so she just sort of walked boldly in whatever she direction she 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 chose and she, by the way and she also just had really good judgment she was just right about everything right that's <laughs> what i'm thinking like when she would give you advice and t- tips and stuff and we all do this we're sort of like okay okay but do you ever feel like she always is right i mean totally there are t- like the advice that she gave me that i think about all the time is like if you're wearing something in a dressing room and you don't immediately want to walk out and be like i don't know how does this look to everybody don't buy it like if you don't immediately want to parade around and um, like, and it's it, that, that works with men that works with everything. Like if you kind of have to make it work, it's not right. Yes. I yeah. took that. And I'm like, well, my grandparents suck, but I'm taking this advice. This is fantastic. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. It's like, if you didn't have grandparents, like a Bobby Bill in your life, like let her be your grandma. She, yeah. that's what, that's what this book is. Like now she's your grandma, you know, all of her stories, you know, her wisdom. What is this sort of thing that you, when you were writing, where you were like, oh, I should have spoke to her more about this particular subject. Was it parenting? Definitely. What would she say? What would she Uh, tell you? One of the first big fights that my husband and I had after our son was born, it was like, it was one, it was, it was like the first time that I raised my voice. We don't like yell at each other, but I I yelled was (laughs) my son was born in August. It was hot in LA where we live. Um, We were walking around a reservoir in our neighborhood and I was constantly putting his, pulling his hat down, like putting on socks. (laughs) And he was like, what are you doing? He's freezing. He's freezing. And he was like, oh my God, you're your grandmother. (laughs) But like, I was bothering him the entire walk with our newborn. I was like, Charlie, stop. He's freezing. Like he, and I realized like, oh my God, I am like, this is Bobby. This is it's happened. It's fully happened. <laughs> so, yeah. And I bet you do feel that, uh, even though she's always with you and you can hear her voice, I bet it, it is a loss when, now that you have your own child, right? 
Totally. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's there a hundred times since my son was born. I wanted to call her and be like, like teething. What was the thing that you said about freezing something and putting it, like, was it a strawberry? Yeah. What was, you know, the, there, there were all kinds of, there were all kinds of not just like tips and tricks because God knows those change over time, but really it was just like an attitude of mm. knowing how to love, knowing how to care, knowing when to worry, when not to. And just, she was such a constant source of reassurance and comfort in my life that in times as a new mother, when I needed comfort and reassurance that only she could give, you know, when I needed that champion to be like, you're doing everything, you're doing everything right. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. Um, That's, that's when I really needed her. Tell me about the process of, I don't know, occupying her headspace whilst you were writing. Yeah. I mean, that was a strange and surreal like ritual it was almost like a channeling as um you know sort of woo woo as that sounds I had to in writing in her voice I had to become her and so it would really excuse me it would take me um like a little while to get into the flow and then once I did I would just sort of write for six or seven hours at a time which is crazy amount of time I'd be starving afterwards (laughs) right 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 and she would just sort of I I would just access the woman that I knew so well um and just sort of let that flow and all you know there was a lot that didn't make it into the book I just sort of put on the page whatever came out but of course there was certainly enough to fill a book by the end of, of those intensive writing periods and yeah, I think there, I read something recently that was like, there's a machine that read, um, I think it might've been Shakespeare or something like read 10,000 hours worth of it. And then could generate Shakespeare. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's how I feel about Bobby Bell. Like I've listened to her <laughs> 10,000 hours and I can just generate her. <laughs> Did you always call her by both names? No, that's just like, that's her. So it's, you know, it's hard because it's, I'm talking about the character. Yes. I, call, I call her grandma. Like, my grandma that's um the to the extent that like I don't think I even really knew until I was an adult whether she spelled it with a y or an ie like that was not she's grandma but now now I'm talking about her as this character and so I give her her first and last name yeah mentally she deserves both and she is such a bobby bell she is such a bobby bell did your mom over the years ever feel um resentful that you two were so close? You know, yeah, that's sort of, that's a great and complicated question. And it's something that I, I still sort of interrogate and, uh, and, and wonder about, because of course, you know, her answer is no. Um, but, um, you know, there had to have been an element of, you know, my grandmother was not a good mother, capital G, capital M. Like she wasn't, she wasn't an affectionate mother. She, you know, she, in reflecting back on her own experience with parenthood, had a lot of regrets. Um, and so when she was this amazing grandmother, my mom was like, had been like, well, what the hell? You know, where, where was this when I was a little girl? Um, but by the same token, you know, I think my mom was really grateful that she could in some way be responsible for my grandma being a good mother finally with her daughter. So, and I think it's very common too, as you said, it's very relatable. I'm sure you're hearing a lot of people saying that we have the same dynamic, right? Totally. Because I think that in sort of love skipping a generation, my grandma saw me as a do-over that was just sort of like, okay, this is my, my daughter, my daughter's daughter. They look the same. Like holding this baby is like holding my, my daughter when she was a baby. I'm going to give it my all this time. You know, I'm, I'm certainly very grateful she did. What was the dynamic between her and your now husband? She loved him. Um, And it was the kind of thing where like, there would be times where like, he was the only person whose side she took over me. <laughs> <laughs> on any particular subject or just oh, general? Almost everything. I would be like, I would be like, well, Charlie wants to rent this SUV when we're driving into the mountains, but we don't. And she was like, oh my God, let me talk to him. He's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you would always go to like, you know, 
like yoga retreats or whatever. And she'd be like, why are you doing that? Right. Totally. Oh my God. She didn't understand why I would want to like sleep under mosquito netting and like be. Yes. I was like, right, Bobby, tell her that's unnecessary. Oh, totally. Totally. She's like, go to a resort. I know five. I could like, you, and she was like, you know, resorts in that area. Girl. I know, I know. There's definitely, that is definitely something I have inherited from her. Though. There there are moments of like, all of my moments of indulgence, I'm like, this is just my, this is what my grandma would do. So, you know, deal yes. with Yes, yes, do that. I support it. Um, <laughs> how do you feel just generally about people knowing so much about your grandma and maybe their commentary on the book? Doesn't it feel more personal when you're speaking about, it's even more than just a memoir because you're, if someone is mean about your grandma, that's way worse. Oh my God. A hundred percent. I'm so protective of her. There's, you know, it's, I think uh, probably a lot of people feel this way about like their mother and grandmother. It's like, you can say anything you want about them, but the second someone else is like, yeah, she's awful. You're like, excuse me. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, only I, um, but I think fortunately the reactions have been so positive. Yeah. People who read this book just fall in love with her and that's not a credit to me and, and the, at all, or the writing, it's a hundred percent a credit to her and her voice and her stories. And so that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that she was able to have the last word and have people be on her side as much as she wanted them to be. Do you want to keep writing books or do you feel like this is one and done? You know, I, when I first wrote this, I was like, and seen like, that's like, this is, this is my life's work. Like, how could I, this was what I was put on earth to do to write my grandma's story. But now I'm writing my next book. And yeah. My God, that's exciting. (laughs) How did that feel? It feels great. I had such a intense time writing this book. I really felt like myself doing it. I, you know, I was like, I've written for a man. I've written for Jimmy Kimmel for eight years before leaving the show in April. And I had always written for a man. This was the first time I was writing for myself. And I realized that was really empowering. I like doing it. Wow. That's really special. And you're so, so talented and it makes me sick and mad about (laughs) it, but it's just so exciting. Um, We have one thing that we always ask each person on the show. If you own a car, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Okay, well, I have a baby. And- <laughs> Not in the trunk, though. No, I have a bit. No, no, no. So in my car, I, my car is so full. I, 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 when, I feel like before I had a kid and after I had a kid, what's in my car is very different now. It's like a car. Yeah, no- what was it like pre-baby? <laughs> Previously, it would be like a yoga mat, yeah. um, you know, maybe like a water bottle, um, a beach towel, yeah. you know, some sunscreen because I burn even just walking outside. <laughs> um, that you know that now it's like we've got the travel stroller. There's like a full. <laughs> there's like yes. There's oh my god. There's like a lifetime supply of like water wipes. Is like fancy diapers. Is so much <laughs> stuff. So much stuff. A hat. A sweater. Like <laughs> so many sweaters. Oh you might god. get chilly. You don't want to get chilly. <laughs> as my grandma would say. <laughs> and that's what we feel like is that it, whatever's in the trunk of your car really does define where you are in your life. And baby time, there's so much gear. Oh my God, there's so much gear. You're, it, it, it's like a carnival moved in. When you're at home, like quarantining with a baby, is it, or a young child, is it better because you don't have to actually go out or is it terrible? You know, it's amazing for him. This is like the greatest time, <laughs> which which is really sweet to be around. Like I'm around this sweet pumpkin who's having so much fun because right. he's, he's 10 months old. So it's like when mom and dad are always here. They are constantly paying attention to me. I'm not being like handed off to somebody else. This yeah. is like, so he's thriving. And <laughs> I really never thought about that, that they are living their best life. These kids. Totally, totally. It's not like his friends he misses. <laughs> no offense, man. He's cozy, right? He's okay. What about for you? Nightmare? Well, you know, it's, it's different every day. But, yeah. um, you know, I feel like right the best way to sort of deal with it is to live in the here and now. And I'm so grateful for having a home and everything I need. We're all healthy and, like, 
I feel I feel very grateful to be able to weathering this to be able to weather this like unscathed and um yeah, so I'm yeah. just holding on to that. Well, I'm grateful that we at least have Zoom. Yes. And I know since you said that Bobby liked being the star of the show, I think she would she is very much enjoying this whole scenario, right? I like to think that. I really yeah. do. Yeah, that's fun. And I just hope you do keep writing because it's uh, you have such a gift and your book is wonderful and I hope everyone reads it. I know our listeners will love it too, so thank you. Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much. You're off the hook, man. Thank you so much, Bess. Thank you. Keep up the good work. You too. Have a good one. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.